Hello and welcome back to the Edge of the Box podcast, a podcast by whoscored.com in association with Odds Checker. I'm your host, Dan Bardell, joined by Jonathan Wilson and George Ellick to preview this week's staggered Premier League action. Of course, there's five games this weekend and then those teams go on a winter break and then there's five games afterwards by the teams that haven't played. We're going to start this week by previewing Manchester United versus Tottenham. Probably the most exciting game this weekend, Jonathan, and the added bonus of probably a couple of new signings to to see Tottenham have been busy and Timo Werner has joined. How do you see that signing? I think I, I'm quite keen on it. Because, because, I mean, I know a lot of people are skeptical, um, but I sort of always had the sense at Chelsea that he was playing quite well and was to begin with totally luckless and then lost confidence in himself. So I think he hit the woodwork seven times, had countless goals ruled out for tight offsides. Um, his energy was good, his movement was pretty good. Um, I'm not entirely certain that Chelsea ever used him in the right way. Um, so I, I don't know if you remember, there was a game they played away against Zenit where they basically played a 4-4-2 with Lukaku as the centre-forward and Werner playing off him. And for both of them, that was, I think, their best game in that spell. And you sort of think, well, OK, that's what happens when you use them in the way that they like to be used. Yeah. Um, now, I suspect it's Tottenham. You know, he's not going to play in a 4-4-2. Obviously, it's going to be the 4-3-3. But I, I, I think the way they play, that his movement is space. Even if he doesn't score himself, he'll be creating opportunities for others. With Son being away, with Madison being injured, they clearly need an extra body in. Uh, he has experienced the Premier League before, so the transition shouldn't be as, as difficult as it will be for some people. So to, to, to bring him in for, on loan seems to me to... To, to make sense and we have seen in in two seasons at um at leipzig that when it does click for him he he can be a really good finisher and in that sense his career looks really weird you know it's single figure score single figure score single figure scores 28 single figure scores single figure scores single figure scores so if they can get him back to that sort of 28 or you know towards that then i think they've got a very good player and what he seems to need is to be confident and i think what we've seen about postcoglu's management is that he's very good at giving players confidence. Yeah, I was going to say that, George. His best football probably came under uh, Nagelsmann, but he had good spells under Ranić and Hausenhutl as well at, at Leipzig, where he scored goals. And them having like a set way of playing doesn't feel a million miles away from what Poster Coglu does. But the interesting thing for me is the way Spurs sorry, build up from, from the back, the way they play, try and play through teams and, and move the ball quickly. He could be ideal for that. And if he's in a in the front three when Son's back with Son, Brennan Johnson and then Kudas actually kind of plays as the 10 while Madison's out. That all feels interchangeable as well. And I feel like that that will benefit him. And I, I just, I think, I don't know why, well, I don't know why for some of the reasons I've just said, I just think this signing might work. Yeah, I would worry a little bit when Son is back that they're, when you look at that front line, yes, it all fits into how Postecoglou wants to play, but there's there's not a great deal of, of variety there. Like, I think he's a very good one to come in once Son is out because he's a forward who will press aggressively, who's obviously got the pace running behind. And I completely agree with Jonathan, where when you look at the two clubs, like when you're a striker brought into Chelsea for big money, there is a quite clear history of those players struggling and a massive pressure that comes with that that signing. And Timo Werner clearly, in a similar way to Alvaro Morata, is a player that 
needs confidence and needs time and needs nurturing in order to to produce and therefore the well, Chelsea players team. have missed chances since that, that you know Chelsea players are still missing chances now yeah yeah for sure but no, it's, it's happened with loads of players but even with Nicholas Jackson you know it took two weeks for people to start saying this guy including yourself Dan this guy's terrible like there, there just seems to be I stand by that this uh <laughs> this this added weight of pressure that comes with being Chelsea's main striker that you know Werner clearly wasn't able to deal with it and you could you could visibly see the confidence drain out of him in those first couple of months when he was wearing a Chelsea shirt. And we know that at Tottenham, that isn't going to be the case. Like, he isn't going to be burdened with that pressure. He's going to be play, playing for a manager who is going to work aggressively on the mental side of things. Because we know that Postacoglu isn't necessarily an on-the-grass coach. We know that he doesn't do a great deal of, of on-the-grass work with these players. But it's creating a culture and environment for them to thrive is where he seems to, to get the majority of his gains. And that's where, where Werner should do well. So, and again, if Werner doesn't produce... Then I'm not really sure, unlike at Chelsea, where suddenly the, the daggers come out and everyone's saying it's another Chelsea flop. I think at Spurs, he'll be given the time and the environment to improve. So I like it from that sense. As I say, I do think when Son is back, uh, yeah, I, I mean, uh, on paper, when you kind of think about it in your head, a, a Son, um, Kulisevsky, Johnson and Werner kind of front four sounds quite fun. But whether or not it would work on the pitch, I'm not quite as sure. But you know, whatever Postacoglu seems to do at the moment, whether it's playing four full-backs across a back four, it doesn't really seem to matter. It seems to work okay. Now he's joined a positive environment as well, Jonathan, which will help with him. I think everyone's pulling in the same direction at Tottenham. And it's low risk because they don't have to buy him. So really, at worst this season, he improves their bench. And they haven't had loads of options off the bench recently. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And it's good for him as well because he wasn't getting regular football in Germany. So he gets to come back to London. He, you know, he, it's a change of scene and nothing else. Chance to, to resurrect his career. I mean, it, it, there's a little bit of pressure in that if it, if he fails here, that's probably him done for the Premier League. Um, I think you're then starting to, to... The fact that he can't get in the Leipzig team now or on a regular basis, you're starting to think, is he completely shot from his time at Chelsea? So... Yeah, there's pressure from that point of view, but I, I think when you get in a cycle of things going wrong, just going to a new environment has, has tends to be a positive thing. It can't be a bad thing. Actually, Jonathan, if you look at Leipzig, their their forward options are, are actually incredible. So it's no wonder he can't get in the team. They've got Openda, who's been really stupendous since he's joined Leipzig, one of the best forwards out there. They've got Sesko, who I think will go on and be one of the most complete forwards in the world with everything he has to offer. And then they've kind of got that that bench option. In Paulson, who's kind of ideal for that. Severn hasn't been getting football because Leipzig have recruited pretty pretty well over the last year or so, haven't they? So, actually, if going to Spurs, you, you're right. You'll probably get a lot more football at Spurs than he would have done at Leipzig back in the back in the Premier League, and he'll give himself a shot of getting in the Germany Euro squad now because we know Nagelsmann likes him. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the point. He's, he's yeah, he. I'm not saying it's his fault or it's a sort of terrible. Um, damnation of his career the fact he's not getting that Leipzig team but on a practical level if he wants to be in the Germany team of the Euros he has to be playing and so going to an environment where he can play is is clearly clearly a good thing have I told you about my dream about Sesco so I got I got distracted when you when you said Sesco there I told you about this no no so this he was you know some of your dreams like really detailed and you remember them very clearly I was trying to track him down for some reason and but it was it was almost like a spy thrill or something. It was very complicated, a whole series of leads. And eventually, I tracked him down, and it turned out he, he was um, an enormous turkey, like it's on a farm, and he was like a huge, huge turkey. I guess it's probably small Christmas. Maybe I was thinking about turkeys, 
Um, but I've, I've never really been able to take him seriously since because I think this is my subconscious saying, no, when Sesco moves to Big Fee, he will be a turkey. That, that's a, I mean, or maybe he'll go. Maybe he'll go to Turkey. I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not. Well, really I, sure I, who who doesn't later in at some point of that yeah. career? Really not sure how to unpick that dream. <laughs> it does sound a bit like a, a detective series as well, but I can't think of a, a clever name to, to, to do with you and a detective series, really. There must be something, but I can't think of one. Sil- the silence from everyone else is telling me there is one <laughs> as, as well. Let's move away from, from Jonathan's dreams and what he does in his sleep and talk about Radu Dragashin. George, lovely pronunciation from from myself. I've heard it pronounced so many different ways this week. I'm not sure how, how to how to do it myself. But Spurs obviously needed a centre back. He's probably not going to be first choice when, when everyone's fit. But what they've got there is a player that's played at a high level that can cover both Van der Ven and Romero when he's inevitably suspended for breaking someone's leg. <laughs> yeah, I mean they've needed. <clears throat> yeah, they've needed a player to come in um, just for body's sake. But he looks on on the face of it like a, a really good pickup you know he's a player that's been compared um in his career so far in playing style is, is you know he's called the romanian virgil van dyke i've seen um, Ooh, which is, is quite a good comparison whether or not that's in any way reflected by the kind of player he is i'm not entirely sure i think it might be quite a lazy one but even so i think at age 21 you know you're, you're getting a player who's played a lot of first team football in Serie A, um, who's um, played both a centre-back and a right-back as well uh, when needed to, which is obviously that versatility is going to help Spurs massively. And also, you know, there's been this mini transfer saga between between them and Bayern to, to recruit him. And the fact that they can get ahead of the you know the, the German giants to do so is a, is a very good reflection on where they are right now. So necessary, you know, I think... It feels like one of those windows where had Spurs not managed to bring in a centre-back towards the end of the window, we could have seen a really left-field one come in just in terms of pure bodies. But the fact they've gone out and been able to recruit someone who's of a decent age and versatility and obviously um, has shown a, a decent aptitude so far has got to bode well. Yeah, Ryan Nelson was getting himself ready for for another light call-up in the in the January transfer window for, for Spurs. He, he's very physical, Jonathan. He ranks highly for aerial duels. He ranks highly for tackle successes, clearances. But his pass success rate doesn't look brilliant. But then if you watch how Genoa play, they do play with that back three, but they sit pr- pretty deep. I, I guess an advantage as well is I think he's played all across that back three, right centre-back, centre-back and left centre-back. But Spurs have got Van der Ven com- coming back now and Romero back as well. So actually, you know, they're just as they, they've needed a centre-back for, for months because they've had problems with, with injuries now, just as they saw him, what, Van der Ven and Romero are back anyway. Yeah, I was talking to a Romanian journalist yesterday about Dragosin and he was saying that, you know, talented at the defensive side of the game, but a, a bit raw, his distribution's not great. As you say, it's, it's not a team where you're going to get many cheap passes. You know, you're not, you're not going to be able to sort of play easy balls in the midfield. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how that develops. But uh, yeah, the point you make about him, I know you said it flippantly when Romero is suspended for never be breaking somebody's leg. He is a player who gets suspended. So having the cover is, is useful. Uh, and it means that they don't have to over overstretch Van der Ven as he, as he comes back. Um, you know, you know, the last thing you want if you come back from a hamstring injury is to have to play 95 minutes every week. You, know, you want to sort of build it up slowly. Well, they now have the option of doing that. And you, you know, we've seen how short they are in the squad with the centre-backs, the fact they have been basically doing the exact opposite to what Guardiola does these days and playing four full-backs and no centre-backs. Um, so to have the cover is is clearly useful. In fact, he's 21. He can... You know, he, it, it doesn't matter if he's not playing regularly. Give him a couple of years and, and, and then hopefully he'll be a regular in, in two, three, four years' time. 
Yeah, and sticking on the theme of Spurs' defence, George, one of my favourite players in the Premier League this season. I actually called that he was going to be really good at the, at the start of the season. Pedro Porro, probably in the top three of Spurs' most important players. I think if he was to be missing, they haven't got anyone in that squad who can fill the void and, and do what he does. He's actually the third best rated right back in the, in the Premier League, according to who scored ratings this season. He's behind Trent Alexander-Arnold and Kieran Trippier. But forget forget the stats for, for a second. Just watching him. Such an exciting player to watch, and he's such a good footballer as well. Yeah, that's the the key. I think is that he's someone who playing on that right side offers a lot going forward. Um, but in possession, he's so good, and it feels like sometimes there might be a little bit of a a creative gap, I guess, in, in the sense center in the kind of deep lying midfield positions for um, for Spurs, where you know whether it's Basuma or Papsai, I know these are very good players, but they're they're kind of. They're not going to be the most creative from deep, and often that creative burden falls on Porro as in possession, in a, in a kind of a similar way to as we often see with, with Trent Alexander-Arnold at Liverpool, where he becomes kind of that wide playmaker from the from the right hand side and is very good at doing it. Also got a magnificent strike on him as we saw in that in that goal against Burnley uh, in the cup um, with, a, with a brilliant goal and a, and a great strike. So yeah, I mean I, I totally agree. I think he's someone who came in last season in kind of difficult circumstances and did okay. You know, he still got three goals and three assists last season, but we're seeing him go to a different level, and that is. I think what's so impressive about Postacoglu, and often the co- the case with, with with very good head coaches, is when you see individual players improve in a short period of time under their under their stewardship, and that's exactly what Poro is doing now. And and yeah, I, I agree, one of the best right backs in the league so far this season, and undoubtedly one of Spurs' unsung heroes in a, in a great start to the season. Yeah, and Jonathan, it wouldn't be edge of the box without talking about Andre Anana, and apparently he's set to play on Sunday and then go away and play for his country on Monday, which feels absolutely bizarre, but he's going to be missing for, for a period period of time. I don't know much about the backup goalkeeper by in there, but surely, you know, give him some minutes on, on Monday in the, in, in the FA Cup. Let, let him, let him, let him, let him say what it's all about. He hasn't played yet. He hasn't played a single minute at all. And Anana's going to go. And I know it's not going to be critical for this game, but Bayern is going to be really thrown into to a team that are very inconsistent, that are under pressure week in, week out. What, why was he signed if he, you know, he's not being given the FA Cup games in the early rounds, for example? Well, yeah, it's not like he's a kid. He's 25. It's it's yeah. a really... The whole situation is baffling. Like, why are Cameroon letting Anana do this? No, I, I, know there's a, I know there's a whole issue at the World Cup when he walked out. Yeah, he fell out with Riga Besson, walked out because Riga Besson wanted to whack it long rather than playing out from the back. Uh, which is very much in the keeping of Cameroon and the goalkeepers. Yeah, Cameroon and goalkeepers are always falling out. But so I mean, maybe it's some sort of sop of yeah, please come back and yeah, you can still play that game. But there's now enormous pressure when in both games. There's enormous pressure on Anana. If he makes a mistake against Spurs, it's going to be ah, oh, well, his mind was on his his flight to Cote d'Ivoire. If he makes a mistake against Guinea on 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 the Monday, it's going to be ah, oh, well, it's because he's just got off the plane. So. Why? Why is he doing that? Why? Why are both sides allowing him to put that pressure on himself? You know, FIFA regulations are very clear that the club have to release him. So I, I just don't know why Cameroon are letting him do it. Uh, but yeah, the point you make of Bayern Dier, he was a regular Fenerbahce for four years. He, he's obviously a decent keeper. Um, presumably, Ten Hag was involved in in recruiting him. Uh, so presumably, yeah, yeah, he can. He's capable of using his feet, which was you know, obviously was a problem with with uh, De Gea. Um, he's six foot six. You'd assume he's you know, can command his box. With you know all these things are assumptions because we haven't actually seen him. Yeah, but I, I if, if command the street at the moment. 
Irrespective, well, you'd be six six. You have a, you have a clue. Oh, that you down. Okay, in the street, um, of, the street of tall people, I might not be able to pick him up. <laughs> yeah, wearing the training top with A B written on that. That again might that, that would give it away. Um, but well, you know, irrespective of the Cup of Nations, why when you've just brought somebody in, why would you not play him in the in the Carabao Cup? Why would you There's not give him minutes? Just it just doesn't make any sense at all. And and by by doing this, by playing Anana against Spurs. And, and as you say, in the, in the cup game against Wigan on Monday, you're basically saying to him, I don't really trust you. Like, we're basically counting down the minutes till Cameroon get knocked out and then I can come home. It's it's just bewildering. And I, I think, um, yeah, I've, I've sort of done this big reversion away from stats. Or, or, or sort of, that's not entirely true. But I think there's a danger when you use stats and use data that you ignore personality and, and people and emotion. And... Yeah, you look at Postacoglu and you look at how he gets everybody pulling together and how he's got people like Giovanni Lo Celso, who had seemingly been, been out in the cold, has had him playing well. Um, the way he's you know, he's been able to use the full depth of that squad, even players he clearly doesn't really fancy, he's managed to persuade them, yeah, you're part of the project. Yeah, let, let's yeah, let's all pull together. Let's all do this, even if you're you know, the, the 25th pick out of 25. But Ten Hag seems incapable of doing that. And... Yeah, I know they've got the window break after the, the the Spurs game, but the the last game of the month when Bayern Deer has to play, the pressure on him then because the first mistake is going to be, oh well, yeah, he's obviously not not worth it. Why, why did why was he ever brought in? So I just I find the whole thing mystifying. I bet you. Well, you probably wouldn't take this bet, so I'm not betting you. But in the next two games, one of them will make a mistake. And then everyone I mean, will be talking about this situation. It's, it's inevitable, isn't it? it well, it's inevitable Manchester United goalkeepers make mistakes. That's just what's happened for the last two Life. years. Yeah. But but yes, it'll have a different cast this time, yeah. Before we get on to our predictions, I'm going to remind George to stay off stay off mute, get himself off mute before we go. Hey, there he is. He was, he was, he was still a bit <laughs> How many Manchester United players do you think make the combined 11, George? Um... Three? Three, Jonathan? Well, Bruno Fernandes is always in there. Neither. So there's one. I'm saying at Neither. least one. Anana's always weirdly overrated, although <laughs> I guess Vicario has played well enough that, that that's not, maybe won't count. Um, and we do know that Anana's the best goalkeeper in the league, according to who scored. We did a podcast on it. I don't know if you were <laughs> on that one. That was a couple of weeks ago, though, wasn't it? So yeah, I think it's yeah, changed. Probably, probably um, Maguire maybe gets in. Is he unavailable? Uh, is he, is he oh, is he? I don't know. Yeah, he uh, might be unavailable. I, I'm going to say three. What did George say? George said three. Oh, I was going to say three. I'll say... say it. I'll say three. Oh, both wrong. It's four. And you are led you down the path there. <laughs> Do you want anyone want to have a guess at who the who the four players are? I'll give you two guesses each. Well, Bruno Fernandes. Yeah. Bruno Fernandes is in, yeah. Um... Is it Hoyland just because Tottenham don't have a sort of orthodox centre forward? No. Nope. Must be someone, it must be defender. Varane? No. He hasn't played enough, is he? Uh... Gosh. Nope. McTominay? Yep. A defender and a forward. Dallas? Yep. And oh, this next one's incredible. <laughs> Anthony? 
incredible. No, 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 it's not that incredible. Rashford, <laughs> Rashford, Rashford, yeah, Rashford's in. It's uh, I've got to say, uh, this this eleven. The, I don't think you'd be scoring much goals with with this front two at the moment. It's Vicario in goal, Porro, uh, Romero, Van der Ven, and Dallo. Uh, we've then got Kulazewski, Fernandez, McTominay, and Brennan Johnson as a midfield four. And the front wow. two is with Charleston and Rashford. <laughs> and the top scorer in that team. Well, both bagging form, aren't they? Richardson and Rashford. Richardson has been Rashford. scoring in, in, in Rashford that with a bang in the cup. Still, though. I'm not sure Wigan apart. The mighty Wigan. There isn't a single player in that. In that uh, well, actually, that's a complete lie. Well. There's only three players that have got an average rating above seven. In, in that eleven, so it's a it's a pretty low ranking team there, I I would say. So yeah, not sure not sure about that one. Who scored? I could be the worst eleven I've seen us seen us do in these combined <laughs> eleven. Yeah, right. I mean, does that say <coughs> down there? Does that say something about the Tottenham's lack of availability up front? Is that the issue? Well, I guess Sarr uh, would be in uh, there, wouldn't they? And so and Basuma, I guess, are both unavailable. Yeah. Because of the combinations, yeah, right? Injury slash combinations had to be McTominay, I would say. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's something to do with absentees have maybe played a part in this yeah. in this eleven as, a, as as an excuse. We'll provide an excuse on this occasion. Let's do our score predictions then, George. I'll come to you first. Uh, I've got this as one nil Spurs. One nil. Yeah, I'm shocked by that prediction. I know. You've yeah, literally just said that team can't score goals, and then you yeah. you confuse it as one nil. But I don't think anyone can defend either. So <laughs> that, 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 that Spurs' defensive record, if you take out the Brighton game, is still pretty good. Like yeah, I know I just... the the narrative is Postecoglou balls, you know, chaos, and they haven't got yeah. any defenders, but they don't concede that many goals. No, that's that's true. I just think it'll be a very. I think this one will be a very open game. I've got I've got the feeling. Well, what's John? your prediction then? My prediction. I've gone for three two to Tottenham. Wow. I just think. This game will Tottenham, I think, are better than Manchester United. Obviously, the league table would dictate that. But I also think the way Tottenham play, Manchester United are always better when they're in transition. So I just think there'll be goals in this game. That was my my thinking behind it. Jonathan, one one, one one. Wow. Okay. Not not goals, goals, goals. Then, like I predicted, did anyone have ever have that video? Goals, goals, goals. The the first season of the of the Premier League. It was a video out called Goals, Goals, Goals. Me and my best mate used to watch it on repeat. What was on it? Just goals, goals, goals from the first, from the first Premier League season. Oh, yeah. I remember, I remember, I remember five hundred and one great goals. Uh, maybe I think might have been that. a long, a long. No, I don't remember that. It was just, a, it was just five hundred and one goals in a row. Of, of yeah, no, it's random order. No, no rhyme or reason to it. Oh. Just, just goals. This was just every goal from the Premier League first season. We used to watch it all the time. I believe it started with Brian Dean potentially. Brian Dean. Then there's an early Roger Joseph goal, which is like the first goal caused by the back pass rule when John Lukic messes up Leeds v Wimbledon. <sighs> okay, yeah, it was just a, a great time in my life. What, what watching that video? So I'm, I might say yeah. it's on YouTube we, we, anywhere. We can, we can do it now if you want, Dan. Huh? No need. We can sit down and watch the goals again if you want. I mean, bring it all uh, back. We've got we've got the time to do that. So certainly we're already <laughs> already twenty six I mean, minutes short. We're supposed to be under an hour in this podcast. Did, as well. did anybody yeah, have Roger, I'm, I'm, Roger Joseph in the sweepstake? <laughs> no, I don't even know who Roger Joseph is. It's just a, I think he was a defender for Wimbledon, like very average footballer. I mean, you play for Wimbledon, they had a lot of average footballers at, the, at that time, I'm, I'm imagining. But they were effective, effective at, at what they did. Let's move on from this silly conversation that I started, my fault, and talk about Newcastle against Manchester City. Newcastle won in the Cup last week, as you'll know, Jonathan. You'll, you'll remember that game, I'm, I'm sure, at Sunderland last weekend, although you'll be trying to forget it. They've lost five out of the last six in the league. 
but the home record is still strong because they've won eight, only lost two, and kept six clean sheets. But if you look at the Premier League form guide at the moment, they are bottom. Difficult team to, to kind of work out at the moment, aren't they, Newcastle? Well, injuries, fatigue. I mean, yeah, the home record is is true, but they've lost two of the last three at home, um, if you include the Champions League. So the Milan game, oh, George has walked off. Hello, George. Well, it's so disgusted by me pointing out that Newcastle have lost two of the last three at home. Um the Milan and Milan game in the yeah, Right, okay. The Milan game. And did you find one? No. Oh, okay. Do you want to go and find one? No, no, it's fine. it's fine. I've got some like ones I've already used, so I can just keep using those for a bit. Oh, oh dear. Ideal. <laughs> when do you get better so fast? That's uh it's like the Newcastle midfield. It's just it's just exhausted. Like it's just, just paper, it's just papering over cracks. Damp and sodden and starting starting to <laughs> disintegrate in your hand. Uh, except it's not. They, they, they're coming back. I mean, you know, um, Jonathan, I, I don't know how serious that injury he got against Sunderland was, but he, he obviously went off. But otherwise, they, they do have players uh, coming back. I think Longstaff coming back is a, a big thing for them. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they're probably bottoming out. And I, I, they're a bit they were un, clearly unfortunate. The cup tie, they didn't like the game where they could have rested players. And obviously, against Sunderland, you can't rest players because no. of what it means. Um, but the fact that after this game, which let's be honest, is a game they were—I I suppose they would have, would have looked, given it was such a good game last season. There was three-three draw last season, and they really took City on. Uh, yeah, it, it would have been would have been good for them to to, to have a proper crack. But I, th- I think it's a game where you sort of think, well, anything they get out of that's a bonus. The fact that they're they're still knackered and they're unlikely to get something out of it. Yeah, you move on, and then they've got the week off. And I guess from their point of view, they hopefully they get get people back and can really go again from the beginning of February. Yeah, doesn't feel like they're going to be massively busy in, in January, does it, George? Eddie Howe kind of said he's not really been told that he's got any funds to bring someone in. But there is, there's an obvious signing out there at the moment. He's playing for, for Manchester City and I'm sure he'll sit on the bench against Newcastle for, for 90 minutes in Calvin Phillips. But at the moment, I believe the fee is, is too high or higher than Newcastle are willing to go, but that just does feel like an obvious transfer between these two clubs or an obvious low move, doesn't it? Yeah, his um, <clears throat> if you're looking at odds checker now, he's, he's 11 to 10 um, to be uh, at Newcastle after the window. Um, he's as short as kind of 8 to 13, so you basically give or take a, a 50% or better chance that he's a, he's a Newcastle player by the end of the window, which seems about right. Um, but, yeah, obviously it was never going to get done before this fixture, and you know, when you've got two clubs who have the financial power of, of these two, I think negotiations are always going to be fairly difficult because City are probably not going to budge from their valuation, knowing that Newcastle have got the uh, ability to pay fees if they want to. But similarly, Newcastle are going, to, are going to want to overpay for a player they know that City don't want or need. So, but I, I'm not sure they do have the capacity to pay. I think the issue is profit and sustainability. I think they've, they've got the cash; they just yeah, can't yeah, spend it to stay within. Profit sustainability. That, that's the biggest thing. There's a lot of frustration. You, you don't expect well. City to, to roll over in these negotiations. City aren't going to do them favours, of course, because yeah, yeah. They, they also have profit sustainability to think about and they want the money in. But yeah, Newcastle clearly have the money, but that doesn't mean they're able to spend it. Spend it. Yeah, no, of course. Of course. Um, but it, that's, it just seems like the, you know, if, if they're far apart now, it doesn't really seem like a clear or an obvious reason why they'll they'll get to where they need to be for, for it to happen. But maybe a loan is more likely in that, in that sense. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting with the, you know, if you consider how good a start to the season um, 
they had. And then obviously with the Champions League campaign looking like it was going very well and then kind of falling apart. Like if you look at the league table now, Newcastle are wedged in between Manchester United and Chelsea. Like they've only got one point more than Chelsea. And the you know, I know that Newcastle's last season probably catapulted them to an expectation level completely beyond what Eddie Howe was expecting. But at the same time, I, I do wonder if quite soon, and, and obviously there are, there are, I wouldn't be advocating this whatsoever, but if quite soon there will start to be some question marks around the, the, the long-term stability of, of Howe's job, because we know the, the ambitions of this Newcastle side. We know that having achieved Champions League football, that was always going to be a massive draw for them to be able to recruit the level of player they're going to want. But the way they're going now, they're not going to be playing European football at all next season. And um, when you look at the, the way that the trend of their results, and one of the most impressive things for me about Newcastle in the last 18 months has been that their good performances, their good results sorry, have been based on very good performances. Like if, if you look at the expected goals and the rest of it, like they have been a top four side over the course of last season and the course of this season. But suddenly, and obviously you know, injuries have played a part in this, a huge part in this, but their XG against numbers are mad now. Like we, we know that Liverpool created the highest XG they've seen in the Premier League in that 4-2 win um, recently. But even you know, Nottingham Forest, the 3-1 win was, was 3.5 expected goals created for them. You go back to the PSG game in the Champions League, where again, it was over four. Like they are conceding really high XG chances consistently in games at the moment. And that is a recipe for an absolute disaster. Like it's very, very hard to pick up points if your opposition is consistently creating good chances against you, especially at the Premier League level. So I'm a bit concerned for them, if I'm honest. Um, hopefully when the players come back, they'll improve. But but right now, it does feel like their performances are miles away from where they were at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I think you've hit a valid point there. It's almost like they qualify for the Champions League maybe a year or two years ahead of schedule. So they've done that and they're now out of it, but they're not going to be in the Champions League next season. I don't think, and if they're not in Europe at all, it's almost then like they've gone from being ahead of schedule to being behind schedule. It's quite a quite a bizarre situation, there. and in part because of because of being in the Champions League, yeah, because, yeah, because of the the strain that puts on your squad, because it's very hard to play Saturday or Sunday, Tuesday or Wednesday consistently for for six weeks to start the season, and then they were dealt a, a tough hand by injuries. Like I, I don't think it's Eddie Howe's fault. No, no, no. Of course, but at the same time, unbelievable but, job. But we look at this industry, and we know that you know the, the way that. Yeah, the, the, the hiring and firing culture. And we know that Newcastle are probably in a position now, which they weren't when they appointed Howe, where if they did sack Eddie Howe, they'd probably be able to have a conversation with any head coach who was interested, you know, the, any available head coach they wanted in, in world football now, which is a very different position to be in. Like we've seen in the Premier League, because of the way the Premier League's gone now, that it doesn't really matter that you're out of Europe. Like you look at Pochettino going to Chelsea. Like if you are a, an ambitious and rich Premier League club, being in Europe isn't really that relevant as to whether or not you can attract that, that calibre of manager. So, um, yeah, I, I do. I wouldn't be confident now that Eddie Howe will be manager of of Newcastle on the first of uh, January, twenty twenty five. No, I'd, I'd agree with you. But it, you know, we talk about people being victims of their own success. He really would be massively a bit yeah, victim yeah, of sure. his own own success if, if he was to go. Jonathan, the, the other thing to look at there is what happens with Dan Ashworth, the um, yeah. sporting director. Uh, now he's he's not as far as I understand it, in direct control of hangings and firings, but he clearly is an important voice. Um, the impression you get is he's, he's pretty pro-how, but if he does go to Manchester United, and he, he clearly is tempted by that, and I think that, again, is where you see the frustration with the profit and sustainability, that maybe he hasn't had quite the, the blank canvas to create the club of his dreams that people thought he was going to have. Um, 
and that he will have more leeway and more resources at Manchester United. Uh, if a new sport director comes in, they, they could have a very, very different view of how they want the football to be played. And that's the other thing. House football, when it was successful, wasn't particularly um, expansive or attacking, uh, which is fine. But if you're uh, you know, essentially a, a, a sort of vehicle for a regime who wants to promote itself, the more fun your football, the, the, the better. Yeah, Jonathan, obviously you're one one of the top journalists in in the country. I, I said that obviously it sounded, yeah, yeah. It sounded a bit sarcastic, <laughs> but I, I, I knew I wasn't being sarcastic at all. You're you're, you're a doctor as, as well, as we know. But if Newcastle were to sack out at the end of the season, let's say, who would where, where would they go? Do you think for a manager? I don't think they should sack out, and I would be very I'm very very pro Eddie Howe at Newcastle. But if they were to do it hypothetically, where, where's this? Where is this manager? I, I can't think who it would be. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to know because I mean, I, I think George touched on a really interesting point earlier. But to what extent do people need European football now? I think this is true of players as well. Um, that if Newcastle don't get in the Champions League, and I, I, I don't think they're that far. I don't think they have to improve much to, to be back in that conversation, especially if five teams qualify. But but if they don't, and they would need an improvement, how much does that? affect the quality of play they can bring in and i think what it actually does is it means that their their budget in terms of profit and sustainability is much lower and affects the players they bring on for that reason i actually think most players now because of the, the the dominance of the premier league would think well i'd rather be playing in the premier league and the europa league than playing in i don't know Liga and the champions league no. Look at look at Dragosin, you know, he could have gone to Bayern Munich and played in the Champions League. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. But he's yeah, losing yeah. Spurs, but no Europe. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. Yeah, but that, that, that sort of proves the point. That I don't think the Champions League now has quite the draw that it would have done. So in terms of coaches, why would they not come in? But the push side is, if they're not in the Champions League and they don't have those resources, they'll be working within profit and sustainability constraints. And that that those, I think, are becoming a real... Um, concern for clubs and I think whereas in the past maybe there was a slightly cavalier attitude to it of sort of oh yeah if we you know if we go slightly over we can we can fix it it doesn't really matter but nobody wants a 10-point deduction and nobody wants the 115 charges that the city have got mm. there's a, a sort of a fear now from clubs of ah oh, hang on like maybe maybe this is being taken seriously maybe we do have to be a bit careful yes and of course this is one of the one of the problems um with the Way the Premier League does it, that it's applied retrospectively. Whereas you look at Spain and you have to declare your budget for the season to come and then constraints are placed on you accordingly, which is what we've seen in Barcelona. That actually maybe is a is a more obvious, more straightforward, more transparent way of doing it. Uh, that at least everybody knows exactly what the parameters are. Whereas now all the clubs are saying, oh, you know, profit and sustainability. Well, maybe they're just saying that to, to persuade other clubs, actually, we can't afford big fees. So come on, be reasonable. I, I just don't know. And, and, None of us have the financial wherewithal to, to understand what the limits are. And even people who are forensic accountants, they don't know exactly what income clubs are going to get because they haven't received it yet. So it's a it's a really difficult situation. And, I, yeah, so I do wonder whether managers – I mean, I, even their own salaries would be constrained by that. So it's not just that the salaries can pay them yeah. you know, an absolute fortune. It, it is a difficulty for, for them. Um, as to where they look, you, you wonder whether they, they look to people doing well in the Saudi League, whether that, that becomes the, the sort of testing ground. 
I mean, I love the chat. Brilliant chat. And you've come up with some really valid points, Jonathan, but you didn't answer my question. Oh, what was That's the question? Cool. Sorry. I wanted to know where, where's, where did Newcastle go for, for, for this manager? I said maybe the Saudi league. I wanted a, I wanted a name. Though. I wanted a name. That was what oh, I, was, I was looking for. Um, George, can you give me a name? Not Carlo Ancelotti. <laughs> no. no. Um, old friend. Oh, squad's I, don't, I don't have an answer myself, actually. So the, I mean, the, the problem is we don't even know who's making a decision because if it's Dan Ashworth or some other young smart sporting director... Then maybe they look to an up and coming coach from Portugal or Greece or you know, wherever, yeah. which is what seems to have been what's been successful in Premier League. If it's you know some bloke with loads of cash who doesn't really understand football, it could be Jason Mourinho, which would be a load of fun. That would be great. <laughs> that would be good. I don't want Eddie Howe to get the sack because I think he's honestly, I think he doesn't get enough credit still. Well, I, and it what about, said, what about the, a manager the, the who, um, who was linked to Sunderland in the summer, Farioli, who's doing an unbelievable job at Nice? Yeah, moment. I mean, you, you wonder whether he might be in the frame for Manchester United job, given mm. the Ineos connection. But um, yeah. uh, well, yeah, if 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 Southgate leaves after the Euros, that's that's not the worst shout. He's he's sure, uh, managed in the Northeast before. We know he doesn't yeah. mind um, any Saudi influence. No, okay, all right. So it's, it's interesting. Anyway, I've got that. I can see the angle where Ashworth goes to Manchester United and Howe goes to Manchester United, which I think would be absolutely incredible if that happened. That would be one of the most crazy things to ever happen in in, in the Premier League. I don't think it's a bad it? move. I don't, Why would it be crazy? I don't know. It just feels crazy to me. Newcastle, are, I'd say Newcastle are better than Manchester United at the moment, and then he loses. But they they don't. Then he... They don't have. The, but they are. But they don't have the money, do they? They don't have a stadium. They don't have the money. No, dread. Well, they have the money, but they don't have a way of spending the money. Sorry, that's I mean, a better we've, way of putting it. We've gone away completely from what we were talking, supposed to be talking about. We're supposed to be previewing football matches here, and we're going, we're going, we're going around the houses do, do, doing everything. But let's uh, let's let's move back to the the game a little bit. I will say, us moving around the houses is my fault as well, and no, no, nobody else's. The Bravka George, did Newcastle need a, a goalkeeper? I find him a, a funny one, De Bravka. I think on the on the surface he can look good because he makes a lot of saves, but I'm not sure he's a good goalkeeper. Well, as I kind of mentioned, I think their issues go way beyond Dubravka at the moment because if you've got if, if you're not conceding many chances, but you've got a keeper who can't save the ones that you are letting in, then that's a problem. But if you're consistently conceding big chances, then yeah, I mean, obviously Dubravka isn't as good as Pope, but realistically, you want to look at, at, at preventing those chances themselves, not when they actually get to the keeper. So, no, I mean the, the De Gea thing is interesting, where he's still obviously available and remains available and. and I mean, I'd be interested to know what's going on behind the scenes there as to why he hasn't found a club and if there has been conversations between, say, Newcastle and De Gea. But it's got to be wages. I, it has to be wages. You mean, he's not earning anything now. So, That's I mean, it, it just... Yeah, anything, anything's better than nothing. Yeah. Um, or maybe, actually, I always think sometimes do you think a player, you know, doesn't it has a bit of a sabbatical, thinks I'll take my time, and actually thinks to themselves, do you know what? I'm rich and I can just have a great time not playing football for a bit. Um, and probably quite enjoy it, so that might be the case. Um, but I, yeah, I, I don't think it's a pressing need personally. I, th- I think, you know, we've seen Mikel Arteta go and make sure he's got two very good goalkeepers, and, and the issues that's perceived to have caused. So, what's wrong with having a second keeper who steps in when needed, but but isn't necessarily as good mm. as your first? Yeah, well, Carriers are still there as well, right? So we've got three pretty high-profile, pretty good keepers. Bringing in a fourth would seem like. Just madness. Like, and if if Carrius really isn't up to it, why is he still there? Why is he 
why have they not ended his contract? Yeah, it doesn't that doesn't make any sense. So I, I'd be looks surprised. Good in the, uh, looks good modelling the shirts, probably. Oh, well, yeah. pay him for that then. I mean, <laughs> got Gillespie as well. Martin Gillespie is that the, is that the is that the fourth goalkeeper? Uh, Newcastle. I only know this because of Football Manager. I'm pretty sure Gillespie's <laughs> I'm pretty sure Gillespie's still, still at Newcastle as as well. We haven't even spoke about Man City, but let's look at let's look at the combined eleven, and you'll be surprised to hear that Manchester City absolutely dominated. But there is four Newcastle players in the team, so we're going to play the same guessing game again. Jonathan, wow. I'm going to give you two guesses first for Newcastle players. Newcastle players in um, is it four three three? It's a four four two again. But you could easily make it a four-two-three-one or a four-three-three. Three, I think. Uh, okay, given how many shots he must have saved, and given I know Edison's ranking was surprisingly low, low in the season, I'm going to say Dubravka. Yep, you're right. That's one for one for you. And I'm going to say. There was a clue to it earlier on in the podcast, actually. For one. Trippier, because Walker's yeah. ranking was really low early on. So yeah, okay, I've done the I've done the first two on the team sheet. That's. Uh, you're two for two, so we pass on to pass on to George for the, the difficult part. Of, you know, you've got to name the other two in this eleven. I've seen I've seen recently that Gordon ranks very high, so I'm going to guess Gordon. Incorrect, not in the team. Bruno? No, not in the oh, team. Oh no! I mean, in fairness, when you get first run, it's a bit. It's a bit yeah, I did realise. I let Jonathan go first last time as well. I think. Oh, would, you, would you have said Dubravka and Trippier? Really? I said Trippier. Yeah. I just said Trippier. Because also, yeah. you, like recency bias, that's got the window of this. Like the last few yeah. games don't matter. Well, we've got Dan Byrne and Fabian Share. <laughs> okay. You don't think you'd have got that. I don't think no. I would have got that. I might have gone Dan Byrne potentially. But I don't think I'd have got I don't. I, I think Byrne would have come about 15th in my list of people. I've I mean, there, his rating is 6.70, so it's not even, a, not even a massively high rating there. We've got Dubravka in goal, back four of Trippier, Cher, Ake and Dan Byrne. Midfield four of Bernardo Silva, Phil Foden, Rodri and Jeremy Doku. And then a front two of Haaland and Alvarez. But I don't know if we, we don't know at this point of recording the podcast whether Haaland's even going to be available. Is Doku available as well? Doku scored at the weekend in the FA Cup. Oh, did he? Okay, sorry. Doku's, Doku's available, but I don't know about Haaland. I don't think we know whether he's going to be available yet. And he called him Alfie Haaland then. I've really gone back to goals, goals, goals there. <laughs> I was very close, very close to, to, to doing that there, yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously they could do with getting Haaland back as, as soon as possible because he's fantastic. But even if he doesn't play, you still you still fancy them to win, don't, don't you? What, what have you guys gone for for predictions? I'm just trying to track mine down. I was padding there in case you didn't notice to try and uh, I've got City to win 2-0. City to win 2 0. I've got exactly the same. City to win 2 0. George. 3 1 City. 3 1 to City. Okay, then there is three other Premier League games this weekend. So we'll do our predictions for them now as well. Burnley v Luton, George. 1 all draw. 1 all draw. Jonathan. Also 1 1. I've gone for 2 1 to Luton. Chelsea against Fulham, Jonathan. 2 1 to Chelsea. I've gone 2 1 to, to Fulham, the biggest team in West London, George. <laughs> the biggest or the best? Yeah, uh, the best. The best team in West London. Uh, 2 0 two nil Chelsea. 2 0 to Chelsea. Okay. And then the last game, so obviously we've done Newcastle City, we've done Manchester United against Tottenham. It's Everton v Villa. And you can see by what I'm wearing, I don't care what the score is in this game. Does <laughs> one bit. One of them, what have you gone for? I've got Everton to win 1 0 because Villa look absolutely knackered to me. Second in the league, Jonathan. Come on. Knackered but winning. George? 1-0. One 1-0 all. 
one all. I've gone for one all as well. In fairness, Villa. I feel like I always feel a, a good bet for a one-one away from home. Interesting. Then obviously only the five games, as we've said, and five more next weekend. We've got to do our treble, and let's do that now. So I can't remember what we were going in. I can't have a home win because I haven't picked one. So I think you you taking the home win, George? Was it you Jonathan? Is Jonathan. Jonathan's having the home win? Jonathan, what are you going to go for? Oh. um... Do I go Everton Villa or do I go Chelsea Fulham? Uh, do, 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 do the contrast. Everton by Miles. Oh, we'll go for that then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good. Makes sense. It's I just, just, I, I think, I mean, I know Everton have looked knackered recently as well, but. They're good. They're, also... they're picked up. Well, Everton, it's two, two to one recently, they are at home they? to the Villa. It seems a huge problem. Really? Price. That's extraordinary. Yeah. And Villa's away form isn't great anyway. And, and no. I think they absolutely. He crawled over Christmas, so yeah, okay. Everton to beat Villa. Fair enough, George. I'll do the draw Friday night football between Burnley and Luton. Okay, and that leaves me with an, an away win there, and I will go for. Hmm, I'm, I, you told me to go for Man City before we recorded, but I don't want to I do that. I didn't tell you to do anything. You said that. Okay. I'm. I want to go. I'm going to go for Spurs a bit, man. Yeah. Yes. Way better. Yeah. Guess who the best price is, Dan? Bet MGM with Chris Rock. I don't know what that, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that song was. 33 to 1 uh, best oh, price with Bet MGM on odds checker. Treble, Everton, Jordan, Burnley, Luton, and Tottenham away win. Shortest price out there on the odds checker is a 25 to 1. So a massive difference between those two. That is a, that's a stonking price for those games. I always think these are good, though. I always look at them and think, oh, it's an unbelievable price there. We've, we've done really well, and then they never come in. We, we, we even won one right. this season. Have we won one this season? We won no. One uh, no, we did. We, we won the first one. It was quite short. No, we haven't won it. it. The, the first time we did it was a while ago. We haven't, we haven't won it. Yeah. We've, been, we've, we've had some misfortune, that's that's for sure. Some light goals yeah. have, have, have killed us. In, in it's also the stipulation of a home win and a away win and a draw makes it tougher. Yeah, it does. If you didn't yeah. have that first week. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. true. But I can understand why that's been thrown in as a parameter. Oh, I, I can. I'm just saying, yeah. you know, in our defence. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. And, and, and if it's 33 to 1, we only have to get it right twice in a season and we made a profit. That's true. That is true. Before we go, we'll have a quick look at the predictions table under the rubbish week for me. I only got six points. And then Sam, Jonathan got you seven points and George got 10. So it's t- starting to tighten up now. Yep. I'm on 130. Jonathan and Sam are on 109, and George is on 102. So he's starting to starting to tighten up now. I did have a bigger lead than that at the, at the start of the season. I think I got two correct scores, though, like bang on, and didn't get anything else right, but picked two. Absolutely bang on the last one, but it does feel like it was about 10 weeks ago that we did that. It was before Christmas when we, when we last made our prediction. So, yeah, I'm still top. I've been top all season, but I've got a feeling. By the end, if I'm a bit of an Arsenal, you know that graphic where it said time at the top of the table, Arsenal <laughs> 74 days or whatever it was, and then Man City 14, and then they win the league. I've got a feeling there's going to be one of those things coming up for me. And I thought George wanted to say something, but actually he was just lining up a lining up a cough. He's on, he's on mute. I thought he really wanted to get desperately in and say something there. We'll go now before George dies. Thank you ever so much to George and Jonathan for joining me on the show today. And thanks to Oddschecker for continuing to sponsor our podcast. We will be back next week to preview the other five games. So get your post notifications on and subscribe to the channel so you know when that podcast is out. Nothing else left to say, really, other than to tell you to tell all your friends and your family about the podcast and to enjoy all the football of the weekend. See you later.